0: Hello and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Real AFM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Jillian Parker. Hi everyone! Hey Jillian, how are you doing?
1: Good, how are you, Quinn?
0: Uh, pretty good. I'm not sure how awake I am, but I'm working on it.
1: Yeah, we were supposed to co- record at like 11.15 and I walked into the room and Quinn is just like passed out on the couch, so I was like, well, I'll just give her some time to wake up, I guess.
0: In my defense, I was reading about the news, and then my brain decided it didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah, you
1: were reading with your eyes closed, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> How's your semester been going?
1: It's been going well. Um, I love Danish, so I'm very excited. Um, I had to retake the GRE, and I'm also taking the GMAT, but, like, it's fine. Um, so, yeah. How about you, Quinn?
0: My semester's been fine. I just got assigned my first paper yesterday which is annoying because when you take all paper classes for the first couple weeks you just kind of have to read some stuff and show up to class and there's not a lot of work and then I started signing you papers and it's like oh I have no time for anything anymore so uh, we've hit that point when's it due Sunday
1: how long is it five pages
0: okay okay I mean it's fine it's just this is the beginning of all of the papers It's (laughs) it's the beginning of the end yeah basically speaking of the beginning of the end. Oh, look at that flawless transition. Oh, God. I feel better than I did last week, but I don't know if that's just because I've adjusted.
1: Yeah, it's probably our new normal now. Um, So yeah, just we have our metric of comparison, I guess, is super off since this whole election. Well, you know what?
0: I was given a warning. I was given an explanation. But I persisted. Oh my god. (laughs) Put it on my tombstone. (laughs) Okay, so for anyone who missed this glorious piece of news, well, it was a not good thing that happened, but then it gave us this really badass saying, so silver linings. Um, We're still in confirmation hearings for Trump's cabinet nominees, and Elizabeth Warren was speaking out against Jeff Sessions as... A nominee for Attorney General. And she was silenced while reading a letter written by Coretta Scott King, who is M- Martin Luther King Jr.'s widow, um, a letter that she wrote many years ago about Jeff Sessions, encouraging him to be denied from another position. So, of course, because all we are doing is repeating the past, now, we are faced with a situation where Jeff Sessions is up for Attorney General, and a letter written in the '80s, about civil rights, is incredibly relevant to this, so that's where we are. We're at. But while Elizabeth Warren was reading this letter, she was actually silenced by Mitch McConnell, who enacted this really obscure Senate rule that says like you can't say anything too bad about another senator, since Jeff Sessions is a senator, um, and refused to let her speak. And now, for the rest of the confirmation hearing, she's not allowed to speak against Jeff Sessions.
1: Yeah, that's like... Yeah, that's a lot. Um... I was just... I I just never heard... Okay. Granted, I don't have a lot of legal knowledge, but still, like, that law to me just sounds so... So random. Like, oh, you can't be too mean about blah blah blah. It's politics. Everyone's mean about everyone.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is not a Senate rule that is enacted super often. Although people in Congress, I think in modern times, are generally relatively cordial to each other. We're not in the days where people got into fist fights on the Senate floor. Those are pretty great. Um, <laughs> no, violence is not the answer. But anyway,
1: you're right. It's the only answer. No, I'm oh totally kidding. <laughs> Do not say that. Okay. Um, yes. So,
0: but what what McConnell said about her? The full quote is. Senator Warren was giving a lengthy speech. She had appeared to violate the rules. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. And this was supposed to be like, she broke the rules and then she was warned, but she kept going. So now we've not allowed her to speak. But that's such an incredible sentence. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. Because as we know, uh, No one has ever achieved anything by following the rules of society, basically, especially if you are a woman, if you're a person of color, if you're LGBTQ. Like, the phrase, nevertheless, she persisted, is such an incredible rallying cry, especially since today, of course, uh, the internet being the internet has taken it and applied it to so many women in history, especially um, women of color who fought for their rights during the civil rights movements and other periods. I even saw one where they put it on a picture of Princess Leia, and I was like, I'm down for this. I'm down for anything with Princess Leia. (laughs) True, true. And you know what? If what people can say about me later in life is that I persisted, I'm down for that. That's a great message about someone's life.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially since we have so many positive expressions about, like, perseverance and persistence, and it's just, like, him using that as sort of attempting to use it in a derogatory way just completely backfired on him, which is amusing. I just saw
0: someone who had made a sign that said member of the Persisterhood.
1: And I was like, yes! I'm a fan. That's cool. I like that.
0: This whole phenomenon is something that's been noted upon um, in this election and afterwards is things that are thrown at one side or the other becoming rallying cries. Mm -hmm. And this has always happened to a certain extent But it seems like it's happening a lot with the whole basket of deplorables thing and then nasty women, um... And even when uh, Trump called BuzzFeed a failing piece of garbage and, like, they owned that and, like, now everyone's owning the um, nevertheless-she-persisted comment, which was supposed to be a way to shut the conversation down and instead, like, just completely erupted it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Also, just, it was such a bad move because, first of all, 4.5 million people watched Elizabeth Warren live stream her reading the letter out loud outside of the Senate chambers where she wasn't allowed to read it. And, even more, went online and read what the letter was itself. So now, literally millions of people have read this letter who would have never um, done so if she hadn't been silenced in the Senate chamber.
1: Yeah, I feel like this situation, though, is just a reminder or sort of a representation of everything that's happened this year as far as oh, we have a plan, so we're going to enact on it so we can get rid of this. And then it's just the complete opposite of what the intent was happens. So this is just a continuation of that trend.
0: I feel like at this point, a large enough part of the general American public is mad enough at the Republican Congress that like, they can't do anything. And especially stuff like this, that the reaction is... I mean, Elizabeth Warren is a fairly beloved figure on the democratic side. Um, so I think that something like this would have always garnered some att- amount of attention, but especially at this point when everyone is so sensitive and so angry, like, trying to pull something like this is just not gonna end well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, there's a hashtag going around called Let Liz Speak, and it's just one of the many hashtags that are centered around Liz Warren and things like that. So, I kind of like the hashtag. I can get behind it. I think it's catchy. Um, and it sort of just perpetuates the idea that, you know... what What's that quote that's like, well-behaved women rarely make history? I yeah. don't know who said that, but... I want to say Eleanor
0: Roosevelt, but it, it might also be one of those ones that's, like, attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt. Or, like, attributed to, like, it. Marilyn Monroe, or, like, I don't know. Oh, my God, I highly doubt it was Marilyn Monroe. I mean, so
1: do I, but...
0: <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna Google this while you're talking. Go on.
1: Yeah, so this idea that well-behaved women rarely make history and then in order to sort of leave your mark on the world. You have to break the rules and think outside the box and kind of just say whatever you want, do whatever you want, even if it's against, you know, the status quo and what people um, expect of you. So I really do like the idea behind hashtag Let Liz Speak, and I like the idea of this movement, the, um... What was it? The, uh, sisterhood? What was it? The...
0: Resis- persisterhood? Persister-
1: persisterhood? Persisterhood? Um... But, yeah, my mixed feelings about this, though, are, like, I don't like Liz Warren, so that's that's just my two cents. But I don't really have a lot of... I don't really have a lot of stats to back that up. I just, like, don't like her vibe, but... You don't... You don't like her vibe? Or anything she stands for, but, like... Oh, my God. <laughs> she was a Republican, though, for five years, which is fun, but...
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. There are a lot
1: of people who used to be one party or the other. And
0: I feel like there's a... some. I have no data to back this up whatsoever, but I feel like I've observed in my own life that if someone kind of starts in one party or has raised one party and then switches, they tend to be much stronger in their new party. I feel like because they've chosen that path for themselves through whatever experiences have shaped their lives.
1: Yeah, that's definitely like a uh, psychological thing too, I think. Or some kind of psych theory.
0: Mm-hmm. Um... We'll come back to you not liking Elizabeth Warren's vibe later, but I just, I looked up who said that quote, and it's really funny, because in this article it says, I've sometimes seen it attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt and Marilyn
1: Monroe. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> <laughs> because, like, apparently no women have ever said anything in history besides those two people. But apparently. The person who actually said it was a woman named Laurel Thatcher Ulrich in 1976, and then she wrote a book called Well-Behaved Women Seldom Make History.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: In a historically controversial confirmation hearing, Betsy DeVos was confirmed as Education Secretary for the United States. Mm -hmm. And I mean literally historic because Mike Pence as Vice President had to be the tiebreaker, which has never happened for a cabinet position before. So it goes to show how...
1: Precarious the balance is, or...?
0: Yeah, there, was, there were two Republican senators who actually crossed the line to vote against her. Every Democrat and Independent voted against her. Mm-hmm. Every Republican voted for her except for two, which actually made it an even split, which is why Mike Pence had to exercise his uh, tie vote.
1: So I think it was, the final thing was what, 51-50?
0: 51-50, yeah. Um, and one of the Republican senators who did not vote for her was Susan Collins, who was my senator
1: so yay go Ah. Maine
0: (laughs) I like Susan Collins
1: Maine bay get it like
0: (laughs) Uh oh okay
1: (laughs) no yeah I don't agree with
0: Susan Collins on everything but I think she's a good senator and I appreciate that she voted against DeVos in this case because oh my god so there's a lot to talk about here because there's her herself and then there's the position that she is has just been confirmed into the education secretary and then there's a talk about her confirmation hearing process which was ridiculous and the the reason that she in particular has garnered so much attention has been so controversial because she bombed her confirmation hearings it was bad she had no idea what she was talking about like she was asked these questions that are standard for education professionals um they I think the specific one was about growth versus proficiency, which are two terms with specific de- definitions in education um and they asked her about different models and she clearly demonstrated that she did not know what those were also at one point, they asked her about guns in schools, and she said that they would be useful to fight off bears so i don't I don't even know what to say to that <laughs> <The> bears. <laughs> Okay. The right to bear arms. (laughs) That's clever. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely did not come up with that joke. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, she's been getting a lot of, um, meeting a lot of contention just because, you know, first of all, she's extremely well off, like millions of dollars. Well, she's one
0: of the largest Republican donors out there. She's donated over $200 million to Republican candidates, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. hella suspicious.
1: (laughs) Is it, though? I think it kind of is. But it's it's like private dona- donations, you know? Like, it's not... Like, as opposed to, like, companies that back, like, candidates.
0: Well, I mean, my point is, if you look at all of the people in Congress who just voted for her and also profited from her campaign donations...
1: Yeah, but I feel like that happens on both sides. You know? What do you mean by that happens on both sides? Like, in what... No, 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 not in, like, oh, oh this happened specifically that, when, but I feel like bribery or like implicit bribery is always a thing
0: okay yeah
1: or like some psychological belief that like oh like she helped me out so like I feel inclined to vote for her although I do also agree with her you know so it like you can't I don't know I feel like you can't really say like I don't know
0: oh yeah I mean campaign finance just has to be reformed in general it's a mess out there um because
1: gotta love campaign finance regulation (laughs)
0: dear God. When will anyone ever fix that? Who knows?
1: Although the libertarian <laughs> argument on that is that we shouldn't have um, campaign finance regulation because the whole thing, the whole point of campaign finance regulation is to, you know, avoid corruption and avoid bribery and make sure that stuff is prevented from happening. Um, but their belief is that if bribery is allowed, it still wouldn't really make that much of a difference because people would find out about the bribery and then, like, not really support the candidate anymore. And everything would be, like, very in the open. And so people would be disincentivized to bribe people. With the whole whole belief that, like, oh, if this happens, then somebody's gonna find out about it. Because since it's, like, legal, technically, bribery, then you'll, like, obviously know what's going on. I don't buy that at all. I don't buy that you would find out about it. Wait, what? I think you would definitely find out about it. If it's open? Um... Well, my, like... Literally everything that happens, like, gets released to the news somehow. like via Yeah, WikiLeaks. but I mean, that
0: happens now, and it still doesn't stop these people from being in power. Like, pe- people know that, like, oh, these people... like Yeah, in exactly. This case, exact, in this case, for example, like, people know that Betsy DeVos has given millions upon millions of dollars to Republican candidates, and she's still getting confirmed as educa- education. Yes, Yeah, so I think chart. the
1: libertarian argument is that, like, okay, it's happening now, so with the laws, so what happens... So isn't the same thing going to happen without the laws, so why even have these laws in the first place? You know, murder happens now, so why have laws against killing people? Okay, that is completely different. This is the argument you're making! (laughs) That, like, it happens now, so why have laws against it? Oh, because when you bribe someone, you're not, like, taking their life. (laughs) Okay, well,
0: backing off from that conversation for a moment. (laughs) Yeah, so, she's getting a lot of attention. A lot of people are really strongly opposed to her, Um, first of all because she doesn't seem like she knows what she's doing there are questions about um, ethics because she's such a huge donor Um, and then there are her ascribed principles for public schools and that she doesn't seem to really like them Um, which the general American public most of whom either went through and or um, have children in public schools not super thrilled with the idea that things Pull funding out of public schools, so she's a really big believer in school choice, um, mm-hmm.
1: charter schools, vouchers. Yeah,
0: yeah. So do various alternatives to just going to your local public school,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and this is this raises concern because she wants to pour um, more money, like significantly more money, like into vouchers and charter schools, mm-hmm. um, which n- not technically, necessarily, but in almost certainly we will take at least part of that money out of the public education oh,
1: system. Oh, well, yeah, she, like, wants to privatize education, period. Yeah. Which, I mean, she doesn't
0: really have the power to do, like... No. She can't just, like, push a button and then dismantle the whole thing. <laughs> Although, with what Trump has been doing lately, who even knows? There are loopholes all over the place. Regardless, like, we're, we're pretty confident that the public school education system will still exist. hmm But, um potentially will be significantly harmed by whatever choices she makes over the next four years. So before we get into this, just a brief explanation as to what charter schools and vouchers mean.
1: So charter schools basically are free from the public school curriculum in that they don't have to adhere necessarily to, like, state regulations when it comes to setting what the kids should learn. So that makes their curriculum a lot more flexible, and it leads to more a larger variety of programs, but it still gets some um, some support from the state or from the government, and then vouchers are essentially like coupons. Where say if you make less than um, a certain income, and then you have this voucher, that will get that will let you go to like a private school, but like for free. Um, and so a lot of libertarians argue that vouchers should be used only up until the sixth grade. Um, so they so so I don't know. if... I would agree with this personally, but basically libertarians are like, oh, like, we should only make public school education mandatory or, like, we should only have vouchers for schools essentially that need it or, like, for um, for kids that would need it and wouldn't be able to get education otherwise up until, like, the sixth grade. So the libertarian perspective is a lot, lot more hands-off. Dear God. So, yeah. This is my problem with Betsy DeVos is that, so, basically, during her hearings, like, she didn't seem to not... She didn't seem to know a lot about, like, you know, the different techniques that are used in public schools when it comes to, you know, how you teach kids and stuff like that. And so Democrats were all like, oh, like, she should know about public ed- education and, like, blah, 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 since, you know, she's running for this position. And then Republicans were like, oh, well, like, it doesn't really matter because she doesn't even, like, like public education, like, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, you should still know, <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like if you want to take something over and completely change it, you need you need to, like, get inside you need to, like, destroy it from the inside. So you need to, like, know. <laughs> and that sounds super sketchy, but you need to know everything. There's... One of the Dalai Lamas said, like, in order to break the rules, you must learn them... Effe- um, You need to know the rules before you break them effectively. This so, is also, like, a really old art. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, but uh, it was attributed, apparently, to, like, one of the Dalai Lamas. But We're anyways.
0: misquoting people all over the place today. Who even knows?
1: Actually, me and Quinn just said all of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um... But no, yeah, like, if you want to, if you want to, if she wants to dismantle the public education system, like, she should know about the public school education system, so she can tear it down. But, like, that's just my opinion. (laughs) Well, thank you for that perspective. (laughs) Um, But, uh, oh,
0: and one more really concerning thing that she said during the hearings is she was asked about the Individuals with Disability Education Act, um, which is civil rights legislation that requires states and school districts to help students with disabilities to give them special education services to make sure that they get as good education as any other student because for a really long time schools are basically only designed for able-bodied persons and did not do very well at all um, with special needs students so now we are still not perfect but in a lot better place because mm-hmm. it's federally required to do this and when she was asked about it she said that the decision was better left to the states it was like no, there, we have this, we have this law, like, you're not gonna,
1: we, we still need this. Wait, did she mean, like, the law in general should have just been left to the states, or did she mean, like, the decision after the federal law was a thing should have been left to the states, and she, like, didn't know what the federal law was?
0: She specifically asked whether all schools that receive public money and public funding should have to follow the Individuals with Disability Education Act, which is a federal law, and then she said that decision was better left to the states.
1: I feel like that could be misinterpreted, um, and she meant, like, you know, that could have been, like, we should have nixed the law, or, like, she didn't believe in the law or something like that, the federal law, but, yeah, definitely from the way it sounds, it sounds like she does not know what she's talking about, so that's comforting. Also, if she doesn't believe in the law, that's, like, much worse. (laughs) (laughs) Or she's just, like, really into states' rights, I don't know. I feel like you can agree with a law with a federal law but not agree with the way it was enacted or the way that it became a federal law you know yeah well
0: right now we don't know since she didn't give a very good answer to that question so
1: yeah well yeah that's that's not good but
0: i feel like the one silver lining of this is can you name any other education secretary no me neither And as terrible as the reasoning is, it is kind of cool that now we know the name of the Education Secretary, and I mean us by extension, like, the country, and the fact that there's going to be more media coverage and conversations about what's happening out of the um, Education Department that I don't think there really was before. I mean, we talk about the big landmark things like No Child Left Behind and stuff like that, but... I feel like because she got so much attention, and so much controversy through this confirmation process, that there will be more conversations about the decisions that she's making, and there will be more scrutiny offered from the general public.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that with the whole Trump administration, um, obviously it has its flaws, and by flaws I mean pretty much like 98% of everything it stands for, but like, also it has, like you said, Quinn, just like everything that's happened, it has brought more politics into the light, and it has, you know, started a lot of conversations from people who before may not have been as interested in what was going on.
0: Yeah, and the flip side of that is that now everyone is exhausted and busy all the time from dealing with all of this, which is less fun. But there is a level in which it is good that more people are politically slash socially aware, and the people who already were, to some extent, are getting more actively involved I feel like it, it is it is very interesting to come of age in this time.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I don't what?
0: even know what's happening. I, th- 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 through the entirety of the election, I was like, so this is the first election I've really paid attention to, but I feel like this is not normal.
1: And- yeah, no. No, definitely not. What is your, um, out of curiosity, what do you think personally about, not necessarily Betsy DeVos as a person, you know, because... Clearly, she doesn't really know what's going on when it comes to her own, you know, sector. Um, but your opinion on like public education and like what she sort of represents.
0: I don't think there is an easy answer to education. I'm not even sure if there is an answer at all because mm-hmm. clearly, like people talk all the time about what a problem um, the education system is in the United States um, and but somehow, like, no one seems to be able to figure out how to fix it, which I think kind of, like, healthcare and stuff like that is the best indication that this pro... If you think that you have an easy answer to this question, you probably just haven't thought about it enough Mm -hmm. because there are no easy answers. Um, With that being said, I am not... I don't have a hard stance um, against things like charter schools and voucher programs in the abstract. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, I think that in theory they're good ideas. Mm -hmm. I think that in practice sometimes it works out really well. Sometimes it does not at all. Um, but I also have really strong doubts that things like charter schools, um, will ever be able to, like, sustain the whole country in that way. And Mm -hmm. I think that investing in public education should be the priority, especially for the federal government. Mm -hmm. I think that states, I think that individual states, um, have better senses of where charter schools are and are not working and where they have the funding to, um, invest in charter schools. If, they are good investments for their money and for the kids going to them, or if they're not working out so well, yeah. There's, yeah. there's, I think there's, I think there's a lot of variation um, across those different areas into what actually works and what doesn't, and I think that's hugely variable depending on the area and the students in the schools.
1: So yeah, no, I completely agree with that. So, but then I feel like that, then shouldn't schools be more of a state, state by state, state by state basis, and less federally regulated um I believe that there should be federal
0: regulations on schools in terms of minimum standards and trying to keep everyone like trying to keep standards across the whole country but I think when it comes to the particulars and how those decided standards are met and implemented should be down to individual schools school districts counties, states like mm-hmm. going from the ground up um. I think that the the person who best, I think that the people who best understand what an individual child needs is the parents and the teachers at that school. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are in a good school environment slash a good home, um, where of course like all of these are hugely variable. And if you don't have parents who are involved, if you mm-hmm. don't have teachers that are invested in their kids, there's huge problems there. You have to figure out how to solve that. I, okay, so I do a winter program every year where I spend two weeks in New York teaching uh, middle schoolers in Manhattan and Queens. And then we talk with a lot of different education professionals in the area who are come from all sorts of different backgrounds and opinions. So the overwhelming thing that I've learned over the course of the past three years that I've done this program is that education is hopelessly complicated and hopelessly individualistic. And all we can try to do for implementing systems especially like the largest the larger that they are is just keep trying things and then hope that it works for more kids than it did before
1: mm-hmm. yeah I think I know like Betsy DeVos is a very controversial character right now but I feel like that's what she's sort of positing like the fact that it is up to like the individual and like on the whole, like, federally regulated education is, like, a good idea and concept because, like, anyone would be crazy not to say, oh, like, every child doesn't deserve to have the right to, like, a free education, like, things like that. So, but, like, obviously, like, there are standards. But I think it's just more of an argument that sometimes federal government can't, isn't very efficient. And, like, if you want to make these changes, these small nuances that could maybe improve somebody's, like, education, like, on a state-by-state basis it would be better if it just, like, went through the state itself and not necessarily the country, you know? And I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I guess I would put my feelings on this, is I believe that things like, for example, Individuals with Disabilities Act, like, should be federally mandated. Mm -hmm. I believe anti-discrimination should be federally mandated. Um, And I believe that there should be more funding, just (laughs) more funding for education everywhere, always,
1: I'm going to contest that okay. just because we spend, like, $115,000 on average, like, per child. Obviously not $150,000 hundred 150, fifteen thousand on every single child because, like, obviously some people don't have access to education, period. But, like, on average, if we, like, calculated every how much we spend on education and distributed it evenly... Um, but we're still 14th in the world when it comes to education. And it's just like, we spend so much money, but it doesn't seem... Not that it doesn't seem to be working, because there's definitely progress in some areas, but I don't understand how investing even more money would necessarily make anything better. Well, I don't think investing less money is going to make anything better either. Well, we we reduce our deficit, so... Okay, yeah, but like, what is that actually? That's not... <laughs> Democrats always yell at Republicans for, like, oh, well, if you cut taxes, then you're, like, increasing the deficit, like, blah, blah, blah. But then, like, if we say, oh, we cut down, like, we should cut down education and then we get attacked, you know? I don't know.
0: So, I know that our military is important and it's very complicated, but when you look at how much is spent on the military versus how much is spent on education,
1: it's ridiculous. <laughs> As in, the military is a lot more. Like, yeah,
0: the, like, the absolutely huge spending on the military, um, which is a that that's a whole other conversation is is the United States involvement in other countries in through the military, but um, I agree that like we clearly have inefficient spending in the education system in that we spend what one hundred and fifteen thousand yeah. on average per student, and yet we are not not doing terrible like according to the rest of the world, but compared to again, comparable first world countries really not doing that well in terms of math and reading standards. And the
1: fact that they spend less per child. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: God, why can't we do anything? Okay.
1: But <laughs> we literally have one job. Okay. No, we have a lot of jobs. We just do them all inefficiently. Um, but yeah. Um, but I I don't agree that taking money
0: out of the education system is going to improve anything in that regard. I think It might that- not
1: improve because like, if we take money out of the, I just feel like Putting more money, it's like, oh, well, in theory it should get better, but if you, like, look at economics papers and you look at graphs and stuff, it's like, it hasn't really made that much of a significant difference. Sorry, I know what you mean, but the phrase, if you look at graphs... (laughs) If you look at graphs and stuff! (laughs) Um, No, but if you, like, see the trends, like, there, there has been so much more dedicated to public education, but the results have been very negligible. So what do you think we should do? So... I feel like what I want to do would never be supported because, like, try running a campaign and, oh, we should take money away from kids' education and see how far that gets you because, literally, it would get you nowhere. Well, it'll get you Secretary of Education, apparently. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't say that outright, though. You mm, know? Which, like, I would say that outright. Like, I'd okay. be like, oh, we should spend less on our kids. <laughs> like, Yeah, you're, you would not be good at campaigning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not at all. Because <laughs> but she, like, does it in, like, different ways, so which is apparently works for her. But, um... No, yeah, so... The idea of vouchers and the idea of charter schools, I don't it's not that she necessarily wants to take away opportunities from kids who go through the public school education system. I think it's more that she wants to give people more options because she does recognize that some schools um some schools might fit a student's needs better if like they have maybe like a learning disability or something like that and being able to cater it school by school is a lot more efficient and a lot more effective than like having it go through this larger system where which could be a lot more bureaucratic so I think that's definitely like the platform she's running on not necessarily oh we should spend less money on our kids which would like probably be my thing but um <laughs> well you didn't answer my question though what do you think we should do go with charter schools and vouchers just like do you mean like go all in on charters or I, I mean I feel like you could privatize the entire education system Irrational. Well, not now, obviously, but, like... (laughs) Tomorrow. (laughs) Not now, yeah, but... uh, There's, like, this book called The Beautiful Tree by James Tooley, and basically it takes this, like, really small school in, like, the middle of nowhere, and it's obviously not federally supported at all, but this guy Tooley writes this for his, like, PhD doctorate, um, and he gets funding to test the capabilities of the students in these inexpensive private schools that aren't supported necessarily by like a government um and to like see how like the kids are like reading and writing and it's a lot more and a lot more effective and they score a lot higher on tests than public schools so within the public school framework there's definitely scope for improvement as in like you don't have to eradicate it completely but with like less regulation and just more like an increased capacity to change things more easily I think, is something that we need, and that means, that definitely means, like, reducing government, which in turn, which coming from that would reduce technically public spending on education, if we redirect these resources to charter schools and vouchers.
0: So we could definitely keep talking about this forever, and somehow I feel like we're going to get more crap for this than we did for talking about abortion last week, because no one actually wrote in about that, which I was kind of surprised of, but I feel like People are gonna... Oh, they're gonna gonna, I'm
1: gonna be absolutely oh, yeah, demoralized, yeah. but, like, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not running for office, so it's fine.
0: Yeah. Uh, we read all your mail. Please be nice.
1: Or you can totally give me crap for it. I don't really care. But, I mean, like, I like criticism, and I think definitely if you make some good points, like, I'm always willing to <laughs> to renege,
0: but, yeah. yeah. So when the most annoying thing that Beyoncé has ever done... She announced that she was pregnant with twins one hour after we finished recording last week.
1: Yeah, and we were, I think, Quinn, you said you were going to, like, tack something on. But then we realized that we should talk about it in in person together over this, because clearly this is a conversation that needs to be discussed.
0: I just, you know, sometimes you think there's no hope left in the world. (laughs) And then Beyonce announces that she is not having one but two children.
1: So I think we should place bets on what we think the twins will be like two girls, two boys, a girl and a boy because if they're two girls then them they then the two girls and blue ivy can form like the dopest girl singing group since the spice girls are destiny's child destiny's grandchildren. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> I'm definitely not the first person to make that joke but can you imagine?
1: Oh my goodness, that that'd be epic. Oh my god. They're family music videos. <sighs> oh my god. How- They're- I know technically Blue Ivy hasn't done, like, anything yet, because, you know, she's, like, a child, but, um, there's just so much talent in that one family that I feel like it's not fair.
0: Yeah, it's just, if your parents are Beyonce and Jeezy, like, you're gonna be talented. Um. And ridiculously good looking. And ridiculously good looking. And rich. Well, we know they're going to be rich. <laughs> it's the little things. Blue Ivy is really cute. She is cute. Also, if you're one of those people
1: who's like, who cares about Beyonce? I care about Beyonce. <laughs> everyone cares about Beyonce. Okay, not everyone cares about Beyonce, as in, like, oh, blah, 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 she's great, like, why should I, like, care about her? Kind of, you know, that kind of way, but she's always relevant. Like, it's like, you don't have to care about the Kardashians, but you can't deny their relevance, So you should be informed about, you know, their whereabouts and what's going on. So you sound like an educated American citizen. I like how you managed to bring up the Kardashians. (laughs) Oh, I try. I feel like we haven't talked about them a lot lately, so I just Mm, felt the need. They've been out of the news. Mm, I'm sorry. You win some, you lose most. Seriously,
0: like, so much has happened, and now we just get this one thing, this one beautiful thing. Her paternity pictures are gorgeous. Incredible Renaissance art
1: style. Did you look at them? I haven't seen a lot of... I think I saw one of them, but Beyoncé's the only one who can get away with stuff like that. I know. Like, can you imagine, like, the typical, like, American mom, like, trying to do this? Oh, if I did that, I would look ridiculous. (laughs) But
0: she pulls it off, because she's incredible. And and she's Beyoncé. And she's Beyoncé, and she probably had a really expensive photographer to take these pictures for her, so it's fine. But yeah, she looks gorgeous, and... I mean, I don't know... I don't think she's announced when she's having these children, but she's, like, pretty pregnant, so reasonably soon, I think.
1: Really? I don't know. I feel like with twins, it, like, skews the whole, you know, because I feel like yeah. you should start showing earlier.
0: Yeah, I guess. I saw something that was like, I want to believe that the day after the election, Beyoncé looked at Jay-Z and was like, we gotta do this.
1: <laughs> That's amazing.
0: There were so many good jokes. My favorite has been all the people comparing it to Star Wars. Where it's like the evil empire has taken over and now our queen is carrying twins.
1: Ooh.
0: There were so many jokes about Beyonce in relation to the current political climate. And the two best ones were, one, someone from another country asked, what's going on with your president? And the person answers, she's currently pregnant with twins. <laughs> <laughs> but, the best one that, but the best one that I've seen everywhere is Beyonce has more black people in her stomach than Trump does in his entire cabinet. Oh, yikes. I feel like I'm so down. I feel like it would be great if they were all women, because then they would take
1: over the world. I just get that kind of vibe. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I like, mean, I'm surprised Beyonce hasn't taken over the world yet, but I feel like she's, like, trying to be selfless and, like, save that for her kids, you know? Like, that's my theory. It's like, it's like she's sitting, like, wherever she lives, and she's like, I could take over the world right now, but, like, I'm just gonna bide my time.
0: It's like when the twins tur- the day that they turn 18 like they and blue ivy just like reveal themselves and they've actually been running the universe this entire
1: time yeah and beyonce is like the author of all these like really elaborate blueprints and it's just like ah, amazing
0: beyonce has literally made fun of the people who say that she's part of the illuminati but i say that in the h- kindest way possible that she is definitely part of the illuminati
1: i don't think there's anything wrong with the illuminati <laughs>
0: Are okay. you okay, are you in the Illuminati because that was a really suspicious answer?
1: <laughs> no, I mean I don't know. Um but like okay, if Beyonce's in the Illuminati, like how's that bad? If I, uh, anything Beyonce is a part of can't be that bad.
0: I feel like the fact that Trump is president is proof that Beyonce is not in the Illuminati, but I get your argument. Here. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yikes.
1: Also, sports happened. Oh yeah. So, yeah, so the Patriots and the Falcons had their game that they called, like, the Super Bowl or whatever. The Superb Owl. The Superb Owl. Um, But some people were like, oh, I didn't know there was a football game during the Lady Gaga concert. (laughs) Okay, the halftime show is pretty good. Yeah.
0: I'm a fan of Lady Gaga.
1: Yeah, she's great. Um, She's so talented.
0: Although, after I watched this year's halftime show, I then went online and watched beyonce at last
1: year's lifetime show oh beyonce is amazing tvt did when she like used up all the power from, from just like being her and like the power went out that wasn't last year that was that was a, couple a while years back ago. yeah yeah but Whenever still still relevant because it's still beyonce
0: everything about beyonce is always relevant <laughs> no um yeah sports happened it, apparently it was very exciting Almost the entirety of the Super Bowl, I was playing foosball. <laughs> it was so fun. We got really into it. Um, and then we were playing foosball in a room next to where a lot of people were playing. No, we
1: were playing football. We're play- You were playing foosball while people in the other room were watching football. Yes,
0: thank you. <laughs> thank you for getting me there. And so we would hear things, and then we heard that they were going into overtime, When we were like, whoa! And we were like, okay, fine, I will watch the sports. And so we went into the other room, and and, and I was like, is this overtime going to be a full 15-minute situation? Because I'm just going to leave, if that case. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then it, it was over really quickly, and the Patriots won, which means Boston was real happy. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. People were, like, crying like, from tears of joy. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, it was... Patriots were down like I think the score once at one point was like eight three or like something ridiculous and like this is the first time um a team has made like a comeback in a Super Bowl from more than two touchdowns so this it, is awesome it really was an
0: incredible comeback um apparently the rest of the country hates the Patriots except for New
1: England <laughs> yeah because of Deflategate
0: yeah, and other things. I was asking someone who knows about football about this, and apparently, like, they just get up to random things, and then everyone hates them. Also, Tom Brady likes Donald
1: Trump, so people don't really like him. Ooh, yikes. He, I also feel like maybe his judgment is a little skewed, because did you, have you ever read what he eats? No. Because it's, like, nothing, like, he doesn't eat carbs or, like, sugar. Um, he eats, like, and he's like also like semi-vegan. I I don't even I, well, you can't be semi-vegan, but you know what I mean? He eats just like very healthy. And I was like reading like what he eats on a regular basis, and technically, yes, it's like a lot of calories because it's like you need to have enough fuel to like do what you do do what he does. But it was just like so bland and so sad. And I was like, Oh, this is probably affecting your brain. He also gets hit in the head for a living. Oh well, that too. <laughs> Uh, well, apparently Giselle wants him to retire, but he was like, nah, chill.
0: Yeah. Brain injuries in football are actually incredibly serious, but yeah. that's a that's a whole thing. I don't know enough about football to have that conversation, clearly.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I was talking to a friend of mine after the Super Bowl, um, and apparently the head coach of the Falcons is named Dan Quinn, which is funny because they two, two of these guys had a bet where whoever... One was rooting for the Patriots and one was rooting for the Falcons. Whoever lost had to run half-naked around campus, as you do. Um, And um, so, like, my friend ended up winning, and then he got a text that was like, Quinn won that one for you because he made a bad call or whatever. And then he texted me
1: and was like, thanks. (laughs) I was like, cool. Works out for me. Amazing. Amazing. But yeah, woo, sports. Sports.
0: Are you happy now? Did we, we got, I think we got the teams right this time and everything. Oh, yeah. We got the sport right and the teams. Oh, my God. Except when I try to say foosball. That's okay. It happens to the best of us. Thanks for listening to us today. You can find us on Twitter at MixedFeelingsFM, where you can tweet at us or send us a DM. You can also find us at Relay.FM slash MixedFeelings, where there's a contact form you can email us. Or in the iTunes store, where it would be great if you left us a review.
1: You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at Underscore Jillian Parker. Thanks for talking with me today, Quinn. Thanks for talking with me, Jillian. Always a pleasure. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our mixed feelings.